Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. I find that that's such an important part of starting your marriage off with this default of transparency. Everything's on the table. Nothing's hidden. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the podcast that shares encouraging stories and practical tools to help pull you out of the rut and into a life worth living. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and in just a moment, we're going to have a conversation with prenup lawyer Aaron Thomas out of Atlanta, Georgia. What if prenups had a bad rap and they could actually help you prevent divorce rather than just simply plan what happens in case of divorce? That's what we're going to talk about in this episode. There are some marriage tips you can glean from a prenup lawyer. I never thought that was possible, but here we are. So sit back and relax unless you're throwing, I don't know, why is it always throwing stuff? Man, when my mind goes somewhere random, it's always throwing. I don't know why. Uh, But anyway, listen to the show. Here we go. All right. Hey, Aaron, thanks for calling in from Atlanta, Georgia. How are you doing over there? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks so much for having me, Jerry. Awesome. Uh, you know, I didn't tell you this while we were you know chit chatting to get ready. Um, I used to be in the army many, many, many years ago, and I was stationed at Fort Benning, Georgia, uh, before I got out. So uh, made a few trips to Atlanta. Um, oh yeah, 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 very familiar. I've made my way down to to Columbus as well. Oh so. man, yeah, interesting town that that Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> very diplomatic way to put it. Yes, <laughs> and then you know its neighbor across the river, Phoenix City. Um, I think yeah. is the only town where an active duty general declared martial law. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Um, bar fights were involved, but <laughs> it's like. They were so bad that the general at the time was like, all right, that's it. We're going to go police this town because nobody else is. Uh, so that's their claim to fame over there at Phoenix City. Uh, but anyway, that's not important. That's not why we have you on. Uh, we have you on uh, because, one, um, I just thought it'd be great. The topic that you have to cover would be a great way to get the head spinning of all my Christian male friends uh, who are in specifically the space of marriage and marriage conversations. Uh, no, that's not really the reason why. It was uh, – you have – a website called prenups.com. You're a lawyer. You work and practice in the Atlanta area. And I remember when it was first pitched to me, the idea of let's have a discussion about prenuptial agreements. And I was like, not really the thing that my website and platform's about. But then we got to talking and I was like, you know what? Actually, that makes sense because that's the conversation that needs to happen. So uh, I guess tell us about prenups in general because they do have a bad rap. They do have that idea of like we plan to get divorced, uh, but your approach to it is not that at all. Um, so then, uh, yeah, so give us a little quick overview about what prenuptial agreements are and then uh, that unique approach to how we could use them and leverage them when it, when it comes to going into a marriage. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Jerry, I mean, you said it, you know, prenuptial agreements, they certainly have a bad rap. And and a lot of times they've been used, a lot of times they've deserved that bad rap. They've been used um, in the kinds of situations where, uh, you know, today you say the term prenuptial agreement and what comes to mind? Um, probably some, some old man yeah, marrying a younger <laughs> woman, 
uh, a gold digger and he wants to protect all his money, you know, away from uh, this wife that certainly he's going to leave after a few years. And, it, and you know, that kind of imagery, um, you, know, you know, pervades and and I think it's kind of disrupted the conversation. But, you know, a prenuptial agreement at its heart is really just a set of rules as to, you know, what's going to happen with your finances, um, both during the marriage and yes, after the marriage, if it ends. And I think a lot of people look at it only as, you know, the plan for divorce. You know, you get married and you're already planning your divorce from day one and you sign this prenuptial agreement. And that's that's all people take from it. Um, And a prenuptial agreement can and should be so much more. It really should be uh, laying out an outline of what your understanding is going to be with your spouse about your finances during the marriage itself. So hopefully you never need to get divorced. You never need to, you know, enforce the what happens if we get divorced provision. Um, and so uh, that's kind of the approach that that we try to take with our prenuptial agreements is, is what are the kinds of things that we can put in a document that will prevent a lot of the money fights, the money arguments that degrade the quality of people's marriages. Yeah, because I believe the number one topic of marriage arguments is money as well. That's that's absolutely right. It's, it's the number one thing that people bring up, um, uh, unfortunately, in, in divorce cases and even for married couples. It's the number one source of tension in people's households. Yeah. I, yeah if there's any one topic my wife and I do passionately discuss <laughs> or avoid it, it is the topic of money in our marriage and uh and it's, it's a shame that we don't have those healthier conversations around that because i mean it it's the vehicle that allows us to do the traveling we want to do or support the children in the way we want to support them or you know all those things and and so you know why can't we and why shouldn't we and and why not i guess is the better way to say why not have those conversations especially on the front end um and you know similarly i know some some pastors who do you know premarital counseling and one of the things that they're really big on is you know where are you with your finances um you know are you going into debt? Are you already in debt? You know, how are you going to support yourselves as you go into this? Uh, they may not go as granular as like who's responsible for what or anything like that, but they do go into at least, you know, what is the state of the, the money here going in and what is the plan to sustain this marriage financially? And, and those are very important conversations already happening. Yeah. You know, when we throw that phrase in there, prenuptial agreement, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, wait a second. No, we don't need that. You know, it's, it's the holy union under God. And it's like, yes, it is. And we're people <laughs> and we're not God. <laughs> so, uh, what are some of the things that, um, do get discussed? You mentioned, you know, the kind of things that go into like the responsibility areas, I guess, what are some of the typical uh, things that go into those agreements? If, cause I, I'm sure they're not cookie cutter, but I mean, there's probably some common themes um, with an agreement. Like what are some of those themes, I guess that come up? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the way that I like to, to approach it is, is kind of in three stages. You've got kind of before the marriage, you've got during the marriage, and then you've got your contingency plans on on the back end. And so the first thing that we try to address is, is where's everybody coming, coming into the marriage? 
Um, what do you have? What's the state of your finances? Um, you know, how much debt do you have? How much of an income do you have? And, and just like you say, people are, are scared to have these tough conversations because it's not only is it taboo, obviously we don't talk about our personal finances. It's, it's considered rude, you know, in, in public to talk about how much money you have in your bank account. Um, and also there's a lot of shame I find connected to people's finances. You may be embarrassed if you've got more credit card debt than you wish you had, or your student loan balance is, is a little high, or maybe you haven't saved as much as you wish you had. Um, and especially with today's couples, you know, they get married closer to 30 on average than they do, you know, closer to 20, like our parents' generation did. Um, and, so back then they were starting pretty much from scratch. Now people are getting married at 30. You're expected to have a 401k. Maybe you've got a mortgage on a house, you know, and some money in the savings account. So, um, you know, a little known fact for your agreement to be enforceable for an, a prenuptial agreement to be enforceable, you have to disclose everything about your finances to your, your spouse, all of your assets, all of your debts. We literally write it all down on paper. Um, and I find that that's such an important part of starting your marriage off with this default of transparency. Everything's on the table. Nothing's hidden. Um, that applies to other areas of the marriage besides the, the finances, obviously. Um, but and then we go into during the marriage itself, uh, that stage two. Um, are you going to put everything in, in one bank account? And only one spouse has access to it and only one spouse knows what's going on with the money and the other spouse just kind of has, has to trust it. Or are you going to have, you know, kind of a mix of, of joint bank accounts where the joint expenses are paid from, but each spouse has their own bank account with their own kind of fun money in it. Um, uh, you know, that's something that I, that I find works well is, is all the income going to go into one account and then everybody gets their fun money out of there? Or is the money going to go into separate accounts? And then you're both going to contribute to a joint account from which you pay your joint expenses. And so I like to give kind of different options of, you know, the kinds of marital account systems that work. Yeah, that sounds pretty darn smart, actually. <laughs> I was like, why not? I, I think even if I'm thinking like even married couples right now, like, I mean, probably too late to go get a prenuptial agreement now, but you could still have those dialogues, you know, uh, that, that conversation around, you know, how do we want to manage this money? It's so that we both have a sense of freedom, but we're also being responsible adults. Um, you know, it, cause it's not the type of thing that they put in the romance movies, you know, like you it's didn't not. see this. Yeah. This conversation wasn't in the notebook, you know, I'm not saying I <laughs> so saw the spreadsheet is a romance killer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Hey, let's talk about Dave Ramsey's uh, seven baby steps here. It's like, Okay. <laughs> and then the, the, the music comes on. You're like, Oh, wow. This is getting interesting. No, I'm kidding. Uh, so that, that is huge though. It's just, uh, and I can think of some other financial advisors. They, they talk about having this kind of conversation. Um, and that transparency is, is very important. I know again, just being transparent on my own, you know, I, I don't think I told my wife about $39,000 in student loan debt until, I think two years into our marriage when the notices started to show up at our door and we owed like $700 a month. And she's like, what is this? We have two kids we need to feed. We don't make a whole lot to begin with. So why, what, what's happening here? And, and so we had to have a conversation around that. Like, oh, okay, I brought this in surprise. And, right. and she was not happy. Uh, and it downright scared her. And um, so, yeah, it, that, one little thing that I hid eroded some trust, 
you know, and so, you know, again, being transparent up front, I mean, here in a prenup, you're putting it formally in a documented agreement. Um, Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use Capshow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long form content like podcast episodes or YouTube videos into Capshow and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. Capshow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Yeah, otherwise, there's no, there's no perfect time to have that conversation, right? There's no... There's no time where it just naturally comes up that you've got, you know, the 39 grand of student loan or or credit card debt. Um, and and I find that the prenuptial process, you know, whether you actually even sign the agreement or not, just going through the process forces that conversation that a lot of people, you know, in retrospect say, ah, it, you know, it would have been better just to go ahead and discuss that on the front end. Uh, same thing with the bank account setup. Um, you know, I think a lot of us just usually follow what we saw our parents do, you know, which is, you know, one spouse handles the finances and, and that's kind of it. And uh, in today's world, you know, you know, it's, it's easy for both people to have logins, you know, to the same bank account and, um, you know, the, the money can go in there. And it really only takes a few hours to sit down and say, OK, what are all of our truly joint expenses? Let's let those come from the joint bank account. And then maybe each of us gets our own, um, you know, kind of spending money every month, you know, and, and that can vary for some couples. That's, you know, maybe 150 bucks for some, it's 500 bucks for some, it's a thousand bucks a month. And, and each spouse gets their own money and they can spend it however they want. I know in, in my household, uh, you know, uh, my wife may go out to eat more than me and I'm a, I'm a brown bag guy. So, you know, to me, the, the, the lunch out seems like a waste of money. Um, and for me, you know, I got to get the new I got to get the new phone every year. And for my wife, so the, the last phone was working just fine. Why are you upgrading to the next phone? But that's my that's my treat for myself. Um, and our expenses may seem like a waste to each other. But because we have our own money in our own bank accounts, neither of us gets to say how the other one spends their fund money. And there's no arguments about it because I literally can't see what she spends her money on. She can't see what I'm spending on mine. But because we both have the same amounts, there's no arguments. And both of us are living in the same household in the same socioeconomic class. You know, if one person controls all the money and they're the only one with the access to it, you know, I can tell you, um, you know, from experience and in the work that I do that uh, two uh, spouses living in completely different socioeconomic worlds, uh, that's a recipe for disaster. Mm. Oh yeah. I used to do work with a battered women's shelter and you know, the financial control was one of the things that came up in a lot of the presentations we did and, and the cases we would hear about. Uh, so yeah, having that equal footing is, is huge. I, I even remember going to a, uh, a Christian marriage conference and got to sit down with the speakers because we were like the volunteer director. So it was like we had access to the presenters. And the thing that really surprised us was, uh, having dinner with this couple. Uh, and there were other couples there, but you know, we were paying attention to this couple because they're kind of mentoring us in this weekend. And 
the way the two of them spoke about money was um, the husband was like handing money to the wife, like, Hey, uh, thanks for letting me borrow 30 bucks earlier. Uh, here's me paying you back from my stash. And, uh, you know, thanks for your patience. Patience. I love you. And we're looking at these two, like you two were just on the stage talking about oneness and marriage, or you're drifting apart. You got two different accounts and you borrowed 30 bucks from your wife. What? I don't understand, but we didn't ask the question like why and how and what, and it turns out, um, and we later learned, but I mean, you just now described it was they had separate fun money accounts or blow money accounts. And so he really did borrow 30 bucks from her blow money, which she gladly loaned him, but she was also expecting it back. Like, Hey, remember I, I loaned you 30 bucks there and it looks like you just got 30 or 40 bucks from this guy paying you back for something else. So, um, <clears throat> and so he paid her back and, uh, and they were happy about it. And they've been married, I think at that time, 30 to 35 years. So they've been doing that practice for a while. And I think, I'm sorry. And it's working for them. Sounds yeah. like. Oh yeah. And they're still married and we're still in touch with them. And uh, they're still out there on the speaker circuit talking about healthy marriage. But I think that is one of those valuable lessons that, I mean, it definitely doesn't get talked about on stage, but we got to see it at dinner with them. Um, and I'm just kind of thinking, man, that's a great idea. You know, like, you know, cause it does prevent you from overspending so that the bills are now being hurt. Um, it also prevents either one of them from having to, say, okay, I guess I can't get my toy this week because you're getting your, your toy this week. And that could build some animosity. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It has to be a choice between either or, you know, husband or wife rather than both. And you can save up, you know, without fear that the other spouse is spending away the money you're saving up for your treat. So yeah. yeah. Nice. Now you'd mentioned before we got on the call that you had your own personal why of why, uh, you know, prenups, should be approached in this way. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I started, you know, I've been practicing law for almost 20 years now and about 14 to 15 years of, uh, of that time has been spent in family law. Um, and so, you know, every day I'm, I'm working with, you know, uh, divorce, custody, child support. Um, and, uh, I wasn't married when I started doing this work and, um, I watched, you know, couples, have the exact same arguments over and over, you know, at the end of these broken down marriages. Um, and it just struck me that it was a, it was a real shame that um, these very preventable, avoidable arguments I kept seeing happening over and over with these couples. And it really would not have taken that much work if they had sat down on the front end and understood, you know, one, that the law treats all of your money as one big pile. It's, you know, it doesn't matter whose name is on the bank account. If it's, you know, if it's, if it's comes in during the marriage, it's marital money. And so it doesn't make sense to, you know, hide these things from your spouse in the first place, but also, you know, just some of these systems that I, that I recommend that we've been talking about, if couples had access to this information on the front of their marriage, maybe a lot of these couples wouldn't, wouldn't be getting divorced. And, you know, I wanted to apply this, you know, to my own relationship. And so um, I've only been married five years. I, I got married a little bit later in life. Um, and uh, when my wife and I got together, I decided there's no way that I'm going to go down the path of, of some of the clients that I've seen. And I'm going to use all the lessons that I've learned from the decade that I've been doing this kind of law to, you know, sit down with with my future wife at the time and say, OK, 
let's come to agreement on all of these. How are we going to handle our finances and how are we going to avoid uh, these types of arguments um, and started putting it down in writing. And, you know, for me, it was, I'm going to draft the prenuptial agreement that is going to help me and my wife stay married. Um, and I know that probably sounds crazy to the average person hearing, you know, the term prenuptial agreement and thinking, wait a minute, stay married. That's not, that's not the purpose of an agreement, um, but, it really, <laughs> right? but it really can be, you know? And so we sat down and, and decided, all right, not only are we going to be transparent at the beginning, but we're going to make that our habit throughout our relationship. Um, and we wrote other things into our agreement uh, that, that we thought would promote a healthy relationship for us. So for example, we have a rule where we have to sit down uh, every December and we'll talk about what our retirement contribution is going to be for the upcoming year. Uh, we love travel as well as, as you do. And so, you know, where are the places we want to go? How much money do we need to set aside for that? Um, we included a rule in our agreement that um, we've got to discuss any expenditure over $500 with the other spouse before we make it. Uh, for some people, that may be $100. For some people who've, who've got a good, it may be $1,000. But having some kind of rule where you just got to check in and say, all right, you know, this is a purchase I'm thinking about making. It's coming out of the joint account. Is this okay with you? Um, because it's that surprise you know, expense that, that causes problems. Um, we included things like, like counseling, you know, either, either spouse can trigger three, uh, three counseling sessions at any time. Um, and the other one has to agree to it so that, uh, you know, we kind of, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot of people say the biggest cause of divorce is money or they'll say it's cheating. And I say it's communication. Um, and so if there's a breakdown in the communication between the couple, um, that's, that's when these other things be start, start becoming the smaller problems start becoming larger problems. And so forcing you to be able to have to sit down and say, okay, let's go get a third party involved and, and sit down and, and talk these things through. And really the sky's the limit. I mean, you're only limited by your creativity in terms of what are the trigger points for, for you and what are the agreements you can come to with your spouse on the front end, uh, to prevent arguments from, from getting out of hand. That is brilliant that that is built in there. The part about seeing counseling, you know, if the other person triggers it and says, Hey, we need, we need to go talk to a counselor. Uh, again, going back to that, that phrase, if you're not growing closer together, you are drifting apart. Like one of those two motions is happening and, you know, having that tool agreed upon that you can go to a counselor, I think is huge or a financial advisor, you know, whatever it is that, that, is huge, you know, it, do that course correction before it becomes a, a huge, you know, divorce conversation or, um, or, or yeah, pretty much that. <laughs> and, and in fact, um, you know, you mentioned financial advisors, we've done that in agreements as well, where both parties have to be invited to, you know, any kind of meetings with the financial advisor or, um, you know, anybody can request and, and the other party, if, if one person is kind of handling the finances, which happens in a lot of marriages that the, the books have to be opened uh, at any given time. Um, we've even put it in and and they're found enforceable by courts where you can say, all right, before anybody can even be allowed to file for divorce, you've got to do at least six counseling sessions. You've got to sit down and, and you know, at least try to do a mediation, like give an opportunity for cooler heads to prevail, to try to save the marriage before you're even allowed to go down that road of divorce. So there's certainly a lot of tools that you can use um, as part of, again, the prenuptial agreement um, 
to try to help promote, you know, your healthy marriage. Yeah. Now, do you find when, you know, that part of the agreement, so going to get marriage counseling six times before dissolving the marriage, like, does that work when it's already in the prenuptial agreement compared to couples who don't do it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't have a good way to, to track down all, you know, everyone that I've worked with, but my guess is, you know, I think there's a lot of value in putting some things down in writing and having some intention at the beginning of the marriage and, and making it kind of official, making it a little bit formal um, that that sticks with couples, that you remember, you know, these are the agreements that we made at the beginning of the marriage. And, and because you actually put it in writing, you know, whether you did it on your own or whether you got an attorney like myself to do it. Um, you put it down in writing, makes a little bit more real. Um, and, and, and that just kind of becomes the standard. I mean, I don't think that these couples are, you know, I know in, with me and my wife, we're certainly not bringing out the prenuptial agreement every other week and, you know, beating <laughs> the other one over the head with it. But we know that we have an agreement that, you know, if counseling is necessary, then that's what we're going to do. Yeah, that, that was what I was wondering is how often does that agreement come out and referenced when, you know, things are you know getting heated or that you think things are drifting away from what you agreed on. Yeah. I, I tell couples that I hope that they sign this agreement and they put it in a drawer and they never have to break it out again. Um, but, but, you know, starting it off, starting off the marriage by having that conversation, agreeing, okay, we're going to be transparent, you know, with each other uh, about the finances. We're going to have an equal household in terms of the finances. One person is not going to be hoarding all the money while the other one is cut off. We're going to, you know, sit down periodically and have conversations. Do we sit down on the same day every year and have this conversation? You know, have we have we probably missed sometimes? Sure, but um, you know, there's just there's that there's an understanding that there's an open book and and that it's going to be an even playing field. Um, and yes, we do have the what I call the contingency clauses. You know, if things do not work out. Um, and, and I say contingency clauses is not I don't just mean divorce. When I mean, we talk about how much life insurance do we need to have for the other person so that if, you know, the unexpected happens, um, the worst comes to worst that, you know, the, the family is going to be protected uh, from a financial aspect. Um, but, yes, um, we've locked in that everything would be 50 50 if if worse comes to work comes to worse so that. Um, we don't do what I see a lot of couples do in my day-to-day job, which is, you know, spend half of the the marital money fighting over who's going to get, you know, what's left. Um, and it's just, you know, to me, I, I, it's just heartbreaking um, to see couples do that when if they make these decisions and lock themselves in when they're in love and when, you know, they respect one another, um, they take away their ability to try to cheat the one, the other one out of what they built together. If the worst comes to worst, if things do go south. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think that's an important thing to, you know, have couples commit to doing again, we do fair prenups. We don't do the, you know, at my office, we don't do the, you know, I'm trying to keep the other one from getting their hands on anything. Um, and I think that also sets the right tone uh, for couples at the beginning of their marriages as well. I don't know why, but the movie, was it Tommy Boy? <laughs> just popped into my head. It's not that. That's not what we're talking about. I don't even, I don't even think there was a prenup in that movie. It's a great um, movie, though. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> okay. Before my mind totally goes off 
off the uh, the path there. Um, so if folks want to reach out and, and get more information on this, um, especially if they're in the Georgia area, and I guess more specifically because of mileage and all that in the Atlanta, Georgia area, uh, where the, where's a good place for them to come and uh, get more information from, say, an Aaron Thomas, um, attorney at law kind of guy? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, my, my main practice is at AaronThomasLaw.com and we do practice in Georgia. Uh, we do get down to Macon and Columbus. Um, as a matter of fact, um, the, the other website, prenups.com, um, we are, are currently offering um, prenuptial agreements in, in three states. We've got staff that are, that are barred in, in Virginia and New York as well as Georgia. And we're trying to add um, more states and, and kind of you know, take this message uh, nationwide. We're trying to, you know, rebrand the prenuptial agreement from something that is a plan for divorce to something that's a plan for marriage um, and a tool that couples can use to set their their relationship on uh, on the right course from the very beginning and and avoid needing the services of my other. Uh, family law practice. Yeah, <laughs> we want to avoid that. <laughs> yeah. I'd love, I'd love, you know, for it to become the norm for couples to have this conversation again, whether you ever get a prenuptial agreement or not. Um, you know, I am, you know, I'd love to put the divorce firm out of business. You know, I'd love for couples to, um, you know, kind of learn the tactics and put in place rules from the beginning that create some guardrails for their for their relationship. Um, and, uh, you know, that's what we're doing. If you want to go to prenups.com and check us out, we've got uh, a free ebook on there um, that, that doesn't talk about divorce at all. It's, it's called Seven Financial Strategies for a Rock Solid Marriage. Um, and I talk about a lot of the, the tactics of setting up your accounts the right ways and uh, appointing a CFO and the full transparency that, that we've been talking about today, Jerry. And um, invite everyone to go there. It's, you know, it's a free download uh, and check it out. Uh, you don't have to be getting married to benefit from it. Uh, us married couples, people who've been married, you know, one year or 20 years, uh, I, I hope can get something from it. Yeah. I'm, I am 100% glad that uh, one, I didn't just blanketly say no when I got the, uh, the email from Amir. So you have to tell him thank you. And that I said, thank you. Actually, I can email him and tell him thank you. Because <laughs> Uh, yeah, because reading that whole message and then seeing that there is this unique approach to it and this unique perspective on it. I mean, we just talked about it, you know, that you're making transparency a reality before the vows are taken. Um, you're creating a plan that's built on the idea and the, the, um, the value of transparency while they're married. And then it's like, okay, now just in case, you know, you do you know, we're people and you do people things and the marriage winds up going down that road of divorce. There is a backup plan that you agree. This is how you're going to fight. And it's like you're pre-establishing those or you're establishing those rules up front. You know, we're, we're going to go this route. There's no question about it. Here we go. And I, I think that's brilliant. And the, the way we just talked about it was it's not even for pre-married couples. It's, you know, I, I picked up nuggets that, you know, my wife and I can apply as soon as we hang, well, maybe not right after we hang up, but, you know, okay. there's some things that we can apply to help improve our own financial situation and, uh, you know, just keep 
building that life we always dreamed of having together. So I, I think there's some value there as well. Um, so everybody, uh, check out prenups.com. Uh, if you are in the Georgia area and what were the other two states, Virginia and, Virginia and New York and New York, uh, check out AaronThomaslaw.com as well. Uh, where's it the other way around? Uh, either way. Yeah. Just come check out both, both websites. The prenups are across the three states, Georgia, Virginia, and New York. Aaron Thomas Law is, is just in Georgia for now, but, um, yeah, if you, if you're in another state and you're interested in the prenup, shoot me a message We're we're adding new states all the time. And, and I love having the conversations, even if I can't, you know, officially represent you. And then, uh, at prenups.com, get that free ebook, seven strategies, whether you've been married a year, you're about to get married, you've been married 20 years, go get that book. Um, Aaron, are there any like final words of wisdom that you want to leave uh, folks before we sign off? Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, keep talking. And, and like I said, you know, it's, it's the communication. Um, you know, I know that it may be weird getting uh, marriage advice from somebody who's known as a divorce attorney. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wishing success, you know, on everyone and, and you know, continued communication for your relationships. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Aaron, so much. Uh, it was great having you on. And it does make sense, though, because you see it at its worst. So you have an idea of what to do to prevent it from getting there in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me on, Jerry. This has been great. We just talked about how prenuptial agreements can actually help set the stage for setting a plan for before your marriage, during your marriage, and then the just in case. And the just in case is not just divorce. Now, I hope you found value in this episode, and if you did, the best thing you can do for us is to hit that share button on however you're listening to this episode. Send this episode to someone you think would also appreciate its lessons and advice. And if you want more information about how to reach Aaron Thomas, about prenups, you can go check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 294. There you'll find links to other episodes related to healthy marriage but also those links that Aaron mentioned at the end of the show. Now, I'm glad you joined me this week, and I look forward to joining you again next week. But until then, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Cap Show, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.